This podcast includes frank discussions of mature themes that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is intended to provide encouragement and support through personal storytelling. The views expressed are the opinions of the participants and not intended to be medical, legal, clinical, or professional information or advice of any kind. Welcome to the Bubble Hour. 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 Welcome, 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 welcome to the Bubble Hour. I own it. I did that. Not proud, but that was me. And when I face it, I take back a little dignity. Not looking for excuses. I just want to be free from the power. Weakness head on me. Jean McCarthy, and you're listening to The Bubble Hour. Hello, and welcome to The Bubble Hour Archives, a treasure trove of episodes ranging from 2012 to 2022. I'm recovery advocate and author Jean McCarthy. I joined The Bubble Hour as a host in season two. Together with other hosts over the years, Ellie, Lisa, Amanda, and Catherine, we all extend to you our gratitude for listening and a heartfelt wish that this podcast will find a welcome home in your recovery toolkit. The resources mentioned on the show are available at thebubblehour.com, including information on the online support group called the BFB, or Booze Free Brigade, often mentioned on the show. Now, if you're hearing this message, you're listening to one of our free archived episodes, and we'll make sure that there are loads of these available for you to enjoy. These are partial versions of the original recordings, and if you want to hear more, you can listen to full versions and the entire back catalog ad-free by joining us on Patreon. So just head to patreon.com slash thebubblehour to learn more. I'll also put a link in the show notes to make it even easier for you to find that. So, all right then, enjoy the show. Hello, this is Lisa, and welcome to the Bubble Hour, where real people share stories of addiction and recovery. Tonight, I'm here with my co-host, Ellie, and our special guests, Carol and Lisa H. Thank you, ladies, for being here with us. Hi. for asking. First of all, a disclaimer, please be patient with Ellie and me tonight as we are attempting something new. We are going to be taking calls from a few users, a few listeners who have questions or tips about surviving and potentially enjoying the holidays sober style. Um, Hopefully, we'll be able to pull this off without any major problems, but I can't make any promises because (laughs) we have no idea what we're doing, so just bear with us and... (laughs) Hopefully, we'll make it as painless as possible. Tonight's topic is what's in your holiday bubble. How are you going to be able to stay sane and sober over the holidays? As we all know, the holidays are stressful, as we all can attest to, but we also know that there are ways to be stressed and still remain sober. I do take my recovery very seriously. Um, I do believe in the power of the bubble, and... Part of that for me is harming myself with the tools that I need to keep myself safe and sober and sane. It's critical for me. And hopefully everyone listening can find their own bubble and cram it full of what you need to recover. I promise it does work. I personally, I believe in a mental image of what serenity looks like for me so that I can 
uh, at least maintain the illusion of being somewhat calm under stressful holiday circumstances, such as seeing at parties and being with friends or family that they're all drinking when I'm not. And I'm not afraid to appear rude as long as I don't drink. So I take my iPhone and my iPad wherever I go and um, take books and read. I hide in bathrooms and text sober people who can help me if I'm having a mini breakdown. I just really believe that I have to have the tools available and ready to use. And I really think you all will find a lot of insightful information. The main thing that I find that helps me is remembering the acronym for HALT. It's very important that I make sure I'm not hungry, angry, um, lonely, or tired. And I always ask myself, have I covered all those things? What do I need to do to make those things not happen? And so I will use anything in my arsenal of tools to accomplish that. Ellie, are you going to speak about your bubble? Sure. I would love to. I, um, thank you. Thank you, Lisa. I can relate to a lot of what you just talked about. I wanted to share two quick things. One, I will talk about what it is that I put into my sober bubble. It, it's a little different. My holiday bubble is a little different than my everyday bubble in, in some important ways. But one of the things that that we'll also talk about, I was thinking about back to my first sober holiday as we got ready for this show and just how I felt, what some of my emotions were. And for those of you who might be facing your first sober holiday, it's, I, I'm not trying to say scare anybody off. It is hard. It's hard, and you need to be prepared and to be ready. And I think that having um, realistic expectations is a very important thing because there's a lot of pressure around the holidays, regardless of what you celebrate. I think there's this ideal that we all hold in our head about how it's supposed to go. And in your first sober holiday, it's especially important to say, if I get through every single day of this without drinking, I am a hero and I've done a great job. But I remember my particular circumstances was that I was about four months out of rehab when I had my first sober Christmas, and we celebrate Christmas, and everybody knew I was sober. They were all thrilled that I was sober, and one of the things I wasn't expecting is that everywhere I went, about every five minutes, somebody said, can I get you a tea? Can I get you a soda water? Can I get you a juice, a coffee? And I know they were only trying to help, and in the rational part of my brain, I, I was grateful for the help. And in the irrational, newly sober part of my brain, I wanted to punch everybody in the face for asking me if I wanted a non-alcoholic beverage. <laughs> because you know what? No, I didn't want a non-alcoholic beverage. I, I wanted that man want to throw it. They were enjoying. Thank you very much. So one trick I learned early on is I always had a drink in my hand. I, my particular favorite is a club soda and cranberry with lime, which could look like an alcoholic drink or not. So that people couldn't, they weren't offering me drinks as much because they could see that I had something in my hand already. And I, the other thing that I noticed my first sober holiday was that I wasn't invited to a lot of things. And it's interesting because I probably would have gone in early sobriety. I would think to myself all the time, I'm going to everything. I'm not just going to stay home because I'm newly sober or because I'm an alcoholic. I'm going. And it probably would not have been the best idea. So it's a good thing I wasn't invited to a lot, but it hurt my feelings. I think people knowing that I was an alcoholic and knowing that I was sober, they thought, oh, she probably doesn't want to come anyway. 
And I just had to accept that people were entitled to their reactions and to give it time. And now I am invited to holiday parties, and I go with my bubble, and I just will close on what it is that I put into my own holiday bubble. Some of these are things I use on a regular basis. Other ones aren't. But reading is a huge one for me. I always make sure I have a really good book going. I love to watch funny, mindless television shows, either on the television or recorded or on Netflix. I say no to a lot of things over the holidays. I say no to cookie committees. I say no to Girl Scout things. I say no to as many possible things as I can to keep my life simple. I indulge in unbelievably great coffees. I spend way more than I normally would, and I have discovered, like, pumpkin spice creamer and almond joy creamer. I really, I try to indulge in other kinds of beverages that I enjoy. This year I bought a pair of really comfy slippers, which I love, and I sit by a roaring fire with my great coffee and my comfy slippers, and I sometimes I meditate or read, but I take me time. I make sure I carve out my me time. And if I have to go to a party or I want to go to a party, just like Lisa spoke about, I always have a phone number of somebody that I can call if I'm getting itchy. And the other thing is I always, if it's possible, for if you don't have your license, you sometimes have to think of another plan. But I always bring my own car. So if I need to go home and climb inside my comfy bubble, I can do that. I, I have learned the hard way that going with another friend who wants to stay till 2 in the morning and party your face off is not a particularly enjoyable experience. <laughs> Carrie, do you want to ask your question? Sure, I'd love to. I appreciate y'all helping me out with these, this first tough holiday and maybe helping a little bit with my first question. Again, my name is Carrie. I, this week I'll have almost 60 days, I think, on the 22nd. And this, I know. This is a really hard time of year to be dealing with my new sobriety. I'd also like to share that I am not talking openly about my sobriety with anyone except my closest friends and my husband. So this is my question. Besides dealing with all the other parties and activities we have to go to this year, I'm also going to be hosting two parties in my home, and my family's Italian, traditionally heavy drinkers. They'll be expecting a lot of wine and beer, and that's just a tradition we have. I don't see how I can avoid doing it, and it's going to be expected. And I really don't want to, you know, I don't expect my guests to not enjoy that because this is my issue, not theirs. So I generally want them to have fun and be comfortable, but I am a little worried. I know people are going to bring me wine for gifts. I plan on sending, I have a plan for that. I plan on sending those home with other people or regifting later. But I also feel a little resentful that I'm not buying the good stuff this year. <laughs> I told my husband, right. I'm going to go buy boxes of wine. And if they, when that's gone, it's gone. I, I just, so I'm just really nervous about how to cope with this in my own home. I almost feel resentful about it, which is horrible because it's Christmas. But I can't have an alcohol-free, you know, party. So if anyone has any experience with this or any ideas, I would love to hear. Okay. I can hopefully help a little. First and foremost, my motto is really keep it simple. And you are so nearly sober, which is awesome. And you've come so far. What I would say is, I still like you have the feeling that you really need to continue the tradition and have this at your home. Is that right? There's no other place where 
No, it's not an option. And it's two parties back to back, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Oh, gosh. First of all, you made a really good point that you don't want your guests to not be able to come and enjoy alcohol just because you can't. I understand exactly where you're coming from, but I will say that if you do feel like it has to be at your house, when I talk about my bubble, and it's just really a big metaphor for arming yourself and preparing yourself for what comes your way, it sounds like you've already made a good plan for what to do with the alcohol that's left at your house. I personally really said no to all guests at my house for a while just because I wasn't strong enough. I didn't feel like I was strong enough to, to do what you're going to do. But my advice would be to seriously have a plan in place so when you're asked hard questions, you'll know how to answer because people will inevitably say, why aren't you drinking? And that can be stressful because if you're trying to Keep it just quiet for for now. I would be prepared with an answer, and I don't know if you have one in place already. But I, I found do. that I, you do. What do you What do you say usually? It's ironic. It, it, it's almost pathetic, but I actually have a neurological disease. Mm-hmm. I have multiple sclerosis, so when I'm on my medication or when I'm having exacerbation, I can't drink because it just makes everything worse. So. I just plan on saying, oh, I'm feeling a little bit MFE, so I think I'm going to pass. And that's Later, pathetic. I, it's somewhat true. So, well, and you know what? It, it, won't, it wouldn't be unusual. I just don't feel like dealing with all this openness right now. I'm not ready I understand. Oh, for the longest time, I've said I was on an antibiotic, which now I just say, no, thank you. And that seems to, to work for me now. But I get that, that you're not quite ready to do the whole being completely open. It's really no one's business, except for who's you make it. I would definitely have a plan in place as far as what I was going to say, and I would also think carefully about what you plan to do mentally when all this alcohol is around you. Because I know even sometimes the smell of it, or even the sound of the cork popping out of a bottle, or the sound of the ice cubes falling into a glass, all those things put me back into... I feel safe knowing that I'm not going to take alcohol and drink it, but also that anxiety that I feel. And when you said resentment, I think I could really relate to that because I feel like sometimes I want to say, wait a minute, why can't I do that too? And that's something that I think we all just have to walk through and it's okay to feel resentful. And it's, Part, I guess it's all part of the process. I always feel like once we make it past a big, huge milestone, it'll be easier down the road going into it that you're going to have alcohol at your house so you know that people are going to be asking you if you want it and shutting drinks in your face. And you just have to be prepared, remain strong. And a huge thing for me is being able to reach out to people who understand me and who I can turn to when I feel like no one else understands. That's why I'm a big believer in texting and calling people if I feel like I need help. Um, And I also repeat to myself, would it be worth it? I think through it. I think what would happen if I did take this drink? What would happen? What is it worth the outcome? I'd be starting all over. I would be miserable tomorrow. I'd be guilty and 
shame, I feel shame and all the things that I've felt for so long. And usually I'm able to talk myself down, even if it means walking out of the room, going into a, a quiet place where I can have a few minutes of alone time and get my thoughts together. Do you ever wish for a little bit of recovery inspiration on the go? Tiny Bubbles is a new podcast that brings you the best bits of the Bubble Hour podcast in quick little episodes, just 15 minutes long, but packed with wisdom, insight, and encouragement to live your life wholeheartedly and alcohol-free. Look for Tiny Bubbles wherever you get podcasts and subscribe today. Tiny Bubbles. Little bits of recovery goodness brought to you by the Bubble Hour. Sometimes all you need is a little pep talk so you can get back to living that beautiful life you're building. We've talked about how there's no way out of having these holiday parties and we're figuring out a way to physically handle the alcohol that's left over, but you also had a suggestion about handling alcohol. Do you want to talk about that for a second? Sure. One of the things when we were discussing this uh, earlier was my experience with being around alcohol today, back then, what have you, is that I had a really hard time having close contact with it in terms of touching it, opening it, pouring it, which I never ended up doing, thank God. But I did, there was one incident where I had to handle just a beer, and it wasn't my beer, it was somebody else's beer that I had been taking care of all night because they weren't paying attention to it, and that's part of my sickness is I just don't understand why people don't pay attention to their alcohol, and (laughs) after... <clears throat> because I just, that's neglect. And it is. It was, so ap- it was abuse <laughs> of the alcohol to leave it alone. How dare they? Complete, yeah. I How dare they? I do not ignore my alcohol, and I don't ignore your alcohol. So what really, what came out of that after discussing it with my daughter and my husband after it happened, it was such a brief thing, was that they told me, they said, maybe it's best if you don't have any tactile contact with the alcohol. And that sounds so... But it, for me, for someone else to open this, we don't really have alcohol in our house very often, but it's, it's going to happen here and there. But for me not to be the one to open the bottle of wine, for me not to be the one pouring the drinks, for me to just be over in my own little mini-party bubble and letting other people bring people into the situation that you trust, even if it's one person, maybe another recovering alcoholic, that you can just say, hey, it's my buddy from down the street. Let, just let people know what you're going through, just one person. It doesn't have to be the whole crew. And then have somebody like your spouse, a good friend, whoever, take on that responsibility of having that tactile contact <clears throat> with, you know, the alcohol so that you don't have, you have, you have enough, you're going to have enough just watching, listening, smelling, hearing, all those things that we do, because that's what we do when we're in early sobriety. It is not always that way. But getting through this part right now is the important part, and I, I applaud you for your courage to do this before the holidays. I waited till February because I was just like, I'm just not ready until I'm a diehard February alcoholic. Last night, was it was hard. We had a really just amazing party. We went to Friday night, beautiful party, and... The drinks were just all over the table, and I literally, I could smell them. It was just very uncomfortable, and I did great Friday, but I had a very hard night last night. 
Yeah. Finally, I had this great successful night, and then last night was very difficult for me. But I think what I might, that's a great idea. I might just set a bar up, like on a different end of the house from where the kitchen is, mm-hmm. so that I'm not even near it. And people yeah. can and just the fact that you're having, this is Ellie, you're having it catered. If the, one of the caterers is not acting as a bartender, get a friend. So everybody loves to bartend, especially if they drink. So find somebody who can do the bartending or a couple of people. It also reminded me of a couple of quick things. One that you've just already mentioned, which is look out for the day after or the two mm-hmm. days after that. You can get through something tough, but I always got slammed the next day, resentfully. And one of the antidotes to that is having a sober community or friends or meetings where you can go celebrate. Go tell people, I did it, and have everybody go, yay, because the people in your family are not going to do that, especially if not all of them are aware of the fact that you're sober. So finding a cheerleading team for yourself is also another way to think through the drink and then also have somebody say, I think you're awesome, you did it, even though you're cranky today and you wish that you could have drunk last night. Here, y'all be your cheerleader. Yeah, yeah, I need exactly. somebody, but yeah, I think it was probably, and, and I am going to wrap, I already had planned this year to wrap it up much earlier, because mm-hmm. that's when the heavy drinking starts, is like after dinner, Yes, mm-hmm. and I'll have less of it, and I'm just going to start cleaning. I'm just going to start making, after we do presents with our children, I'm just going to start cleaning and picking up, but I, I know it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be, it is, and it I It sounds like I you have a plan in place, babe. It sounds like you've created a plan already. Somehow. I have you know, a <laughs> We'll see, but I honestly, I have just learned just so much in the past two months about just asking for help. People have gone before Mm -hmm. me. They have really great advice, and I've learned that if I just listen and ask for help, that it's always there, and it always works. Yep. Carol, Carol, we were going to have you talk a little bit, introduce yourself, and just talk a little bit about your holiday bubble and your experiences in early sobriety, and do you want to do that now? Sure. I'm Carol, and... I actually had almost a year for my first holidays. I, too, like Lisa, got sober in January. I'd say for me, one of the most important things is I have to have something on hand. I drink green tea lemonade, and so I have that everywhere with me constantly. And another thing is my fraps. I actually bought a blender, and I make my own frappuccinos. Love them. I have to have them with me at all times, too. And texting, too. Texting is a big thing for me of Cobo Friends. I do have a sponsor that I'm in contact with all the time. I think that's the main thing for me is just reaching out and helping other people, too. People texting me and being able to get out of myself and help them is a big thing for me, too. And I'd say that I have a lot of accountability for everybody. I went to treatment. I can relate to you a lot, Ellie. So a lot of people know that I'm sober and don't drink. I can really relate to being not invited to go to holiday parties. And this does hurt your feelings. You feel like you should have the choice to or not. I I don't want to go, but I'd like the right to say no. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I don't listen. And they you invite me to a party. I don't want to come to. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that that thing too. And then my family, they're very supportive. They don't drink around the holidays around me. My sister actually went on to Mexico. She's the only heavy drinker. She's one of us. And she decided to go to Mexico for Christmas last year and, and Thanksgiving one vacation, which actually was a blessing for me. But my, my husband, he quit drinking with me which was, is really great. He's, you know, what we call a normie. He could take it or leave it, but he, you know, quit drinking with me. So I always have him wherever we go. 
And so that's great. And then a lot of my family, they're normies too. They could take it or leave it. So they don't drink either, which is why I can't see how they could do that, but they can. They don't need help to not drink or anything. So that's where, you know, I'm at with it. I'm still my my bubble. I put in my bubble when I'm out and about is my phone for sure, my tea. And when I'm home, it's a completely different bubble. I have all my comforts, my my snuggly blankets, my comfy clothes, the internet, recovery books, sweet things to eat. And so that's where I'm at with that. Yeah, that's great. I can, this is Ellie again, identify with a lot of that. The comfy clothes are so key. I don't know what it is about the comfy clothes, but those, those go a long way. Yes, I think what we're going to do now is um, move on to our next caller. Who is, let's see if I can do this right, is this Liz? Do we have you on the line? Yeah, this is such a great forum to be able to to talk about things, and I just, I am so appreciative of the support. I, I really feel like I'm in a fight for my life right now, and this is my first sober holiday, so... I'm looking for lots of love and lots of support and lots of suggestions. Um, I, uh, I guess the biggest thing I'm dealing with right now, and I'd love to hear suggestions about what I can do, is just being new in my sobriety during the holiday season, which is typically a happy time for my family, but it's um, recently become sad because my father passed away during, in between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And, you know, it was a couple of years ago, so we had a happy, happy hard, time. Yeah, and hard. then in the more recent time, it's a horrible way to mark the time of someone you loved. Yeah. And so I'm dealing with a lot. It's being new. Uh, first of all, making, the, making a, a big decision to, to live my life a different way, but also still dealing with some of the shame of some of the things I've done because it's all still very fresh. I've only been alcohol-free for about almost 60 days, same as the other caller. And so I'm just, there's lots of sadness, but I'm trying to be positive and happy. But it's tough. This is Ellie. I just have a quick question. Of the people in your immediate family, are there any that are aware of the fact that you are alcohol-free at the moment? Yeah, so that's a really good question. My mother is an alcoholic, and she's been, she just decided one day she wasn't going to drink, and she never did again. And so I knew that it ran in my family. I knew everything I should watch out for, and, I, and it still happened to me. So my mother is aware, my husband is aware, but I haven't told other people. So there's it's a double-edged sword for me, maybe, being new at this, so being so young in my sobriety, but also not necessarily being very public about it. I have, it, it's amazing to me to realize how much of my life and how many of the people in my life drank. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's my, from my, na- my social circle, my neighbors, my children's friends, people at work, and yeah, so it's very different. And I'm, I, at least I thought, I'm a party girl too. At least I thought I was, but I just numbed out and used wine to deal with some of the things that I needed to just go ahead and feel so that I could get over them. Liz, this is Ellie again, and I, I have a couple of thoughts and observations. First of all, I'm terribly sorry about your father. I lost my father hey. suddenly a year ago, June. And so oh, I gosh. understand how 
whether or not you're sober or an alcoholic or not, it, the holidays are hard when you're yeah. when, and you grieve for a long time. So you have mm-hmm. my empathy if, with that. And it sounds like you are in need somewhat of just some practical tips for fending off people who are trying to offer you drinks. Do you think that's part yeah. of it? I think um, yeah, I think that's first caller that the information that was really helpful yeah yeah and then you can use the antibiotic excuse you can use the i'm trying to lose weight excuse you can lose the um not feeling well you can always have a drink in your hand so you can hold one up and say my favorite thing to do my first before like when i went to a holiday party and i it was i didn't think it was anyone's business whether or not i had an alcoholic drink in my hand or not was to actually ask the bartender to give me a cranberry and club soda and lime in an alcohol, like a cocktail glass. Not the big tall one with the big fat straw, <laughs> you know what I mean, with the kids yet, <laughs> but like the grown-up looking glass. <laughs> and then I could, say, I could just hold it up and say, I'm all set, thanks. I didn't have to think, here's my Diet Coke with my big bendy straw. That, that was helpful to me. And the other thought that I have in terms of the shame and the guilt, and in early sobriety, I felt a lot of, it's not the same thing as losing a, as a, love, a loved one, but grief. I missed my friend, alcohol, my constant companion, and having expectations like you've articulated about it's going to be hard, you're going to be sad, you're going to miss it a lot, and you're going to need people to talk to you about that. And you've got some in the booster brigade, you've got a couple of people in your family that know but keep your expectations like healthily low, because yeah. that way any get anything that doesn't go as badly, if it goes better than you think, you're going to be thrilled. It also enables you to be really proud of yourself. This is a, yeah. a, a really important time. The antidote to shame is to be really proud of yourself for getting through it. We have so many people, ourselves included, that just beat ourselves up for all the things that we're trying to work through newly sober. That one day, one hour, one minute without a drink, you're a miracle. And remember that. And talk to the people who could say, we think you're awesome and you're a miracle. And it just, for me, I was grateful that people said, it's going to be hard. And then when I experienced these profound moments of joy or peace, when I was present with my children, when I was, I remember to buy things like wrapping paper and tape. That was <laughs> when I experienced. And you remember the where you put it, <laughs> and then I remember where the gifts were hidden, and that was. But when I experienced these things that would have been small, they were really big gifts, and they really helped counterbalance that feeling of other than and different, and I can't do this, and I can't. It made me think about the things that I can do now. Yeah, I, I and, think that's a, that's really big. I've really tried to focus on how much better physically I feel mm-hmm. today. And it's, I think if you said to me, in fact, my mother did say, just get a couple of days behind you. I promise you'll feel better. And I'm like, no, I won't because I'm going to break up with my best friend. Wine was my best friend. I'm breaking up with her. And, and I, I don't know that I thought I was strong enough. And I don't know that I thought I would feel as good as I feel today. And that's even after right. having surgery awesome. a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. do. Yeah, it's worth it. Every day that I feel good physically is worth it. It's just I know what I'm in for. I know it's going to be hard, and I'm ready for that. It's just I'm trying to pull all the resources I can so I can stay here. You're doing great, and I I, I really don't want to be an Eeyore, and it may not even apply to you, but the times that I felt the great, the greatest Mm -hmm. physically and mentally and spiritually and emotionally, 
I was actually in the most danger. So mm -hmm. I love the fact that you have this well-rounded perspective about what all of this is about, that there's gifts and hard parts, because I didn't have as much of that as you do. Mm -hmm. So when I started feeling great, I thought, wow, I really got this down. Maybe I can I had a couple of moments like that, too, where I started feeling really good, and I thought, maybe I'm not really. Yeah, yeah when oh, you hear the, that little, maybe That's I was the crazy that person bad. in your head. Mm -hmm. yep. If that if sentence, maybe I wasn't that bad, passes through your head, call somebody. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, me. Text me. Somebody. I will. <laughs> and say, remind me why it's a bad idea or think of a memory of something that you're ashamed of. I mean, I'm telling you to avoid shame, oh, but that also gosh. helps me stop. Pull one out of your, mm -hmm. you know, just. Deeply okay. buried. Yeah, mm -hmm. I was that bad, thing, and that's mm -hmm. why I'm not doing it. But again, I don't mean to end that on a bummer note. I think you're doing Oh, no, great. no, no. It's re you know what? I think really it's got to be about being real because the fairy tale world is what we were drowning our sorrows in. Exactly. And you'll get to the other side of all, and the grief too. Grief is a big part of it. Sober Christmas without my father, I felt everything, and I did a lot of crying, and I was amazed at all the crying. I thought, I don't cry. I didn't cry because I was mm -hmm. drunk. <laughs> and if I was yeah. drunk and crying, I was crying because I felt sorry for myself, not because mm -hmm. my dad, you know. <laughs> you'll be feeling real feelings even if they aren't great feelings. It's yeah, a, it's a gift. your way through it. Yeah. yeah. This is great. Well, thank you so I, much. I hate to keep moving along, but thank you so much yeah. for your call. Thank you, Liz. Thank you for being part of the show. You're awesome. We appreciate, we appreciate you. you. Thank and you. I'm I gonna, think you um, all are awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hi, Liz. Uh, let's see. I, our next caller is, is Angel. Can you hear me? Hi. Hi. Welcome Hi, to the show. Angel. Hi. Hey, Angel. Angel. How is everyone? Good. Doing great. You Very good. Okay, so I have a question. This will be my first over holiday, and I would love to know how people deal sober with the first that you don't really like. You were fading you out just, your... just for a second there. You faded out, Angel. You were saying how when you're sober, how do you deal with family members and people that you're forced to be with during the holidays that you don't really like and you used yes. to drink to get through it? Was that yes. the question? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. How do you deal with people that, yeah, how do you deal with your family members that you just don't really like that you've always drank to be around? What a great question. Yes, it's a great question. And I can imagine there are many people nodding their heads in agreement that <laughs> Very difficult <laughs> to handle some, some family members during the holidays, even under the best of circumstances. And doing it newly sober is just altogether a whole new task. But I think the best thing for me to remember is practical, really practical things that I can do to get out of the situation if I need to. Bring your, take your own car if that's possible. I think Ellie mentioned that earlier that she never goes anywhere without her car and neither do I. They believe her in planning ahead. I have a plan. Angel, I would imagine you have a plan or you're thinking of a plan maybe right now. If you can't handle any more, if you can't handle even 10 more minutes, you have a plan in place so that you can leave if you feel like it's really a threat. There are certain things that we just have obligations to attend. Besides the things that I had to do, I said no. And I realized that you can't do this most likely during the holidays, but have a plan of escape, even if it means hiding in the bathroom and texting some of us or other people that you know are sober. Will there be sober people at 
the family party? Everybody. Oh, everybody? Nobody. Oh, okay. Yeah, every, yeah, I was pretty much the only one besides my husband who has always drank. So everybody is going to be sober. They're all going to be at my house. Oh, it's at your house. Oh, so you're having it at your house. Oh, okay. I get it. Okay, I think something, just prepare yourself for what could happen. You're going to be frustrated. You're You're going to be most likely angry, a little bit resentful. I'm assuming you have to have it at your house because my first thought is don't do it at your house. Oh, I but, know, and I wish I didn't have to, but yes. Okay, but yeah, you're the I, one. You're the chosen yeah. one, okay. Lucky right. you. I did that for um, Thanksgiving. This is Carol. Hey, Carol. Uh-huh. I'm, I just, I'm not one of the, I'm definitely a person who has learned how to say no because I felt like I had to remain sane and sober. That took a lot. That wasn't something that I just woke up and was able to do. I had to make a really huge effort to say no. I guess my advice to you, Angel, would just, be to do the best you can in that situation. If it means walking out of the kitchen where everyone is, going to your bedroom, doing something that makes you happy and you feel at ease. There's nothing about it that is going to be easy. I, I, would, I wouldn't think, but you do know that you'll have your, your family there, which is a good thing in a way, maybe. And you don't have to... Just be yourself. Do the best you can. Take deep breaths. Repeat the serenity prayer in your head over and over. Yeah. Scream and cuss. You can scream profanities in the bathroom. Do whatever you want to do to get through the day. Just And just tell yourself, this will pass. This will end. These people will leave my house, and you'll be so happy. And that will give you maybe a little bit of relief knowing that it's not a huge, long ordeal. And then what Carrie said earlier, Angel, about she's going to start cleaning up and getting everyone packed up and pushing them out the door. You might have to do that, too. Somebody told me early on in my sobriety, and I loved it, her wise words were, you don't have to go to every fight you're invited to. Ah. And I love that (laughs) because the second thing she did for me, she said, let's sit down because you know who it is that's going to get under your skin the most and come up with five or six one-liners that aren't inflammatory that you can use with those relatives. I'm not going to get into you with this with you right now because I'm trying to enjoy the holidays or what you just said hurt my feelings. Now is not the time to talk about it. Or we'll just think of, just have something ready to say if you're provoked and yes. if, or just the art of the pause. Somebody says something, just let it sit in the room. If somebody drops a big passive aggressive bomb, just let everybody stare at it. You don't have to respond to it. Take Good Care is a new collection of recovery readings inspired by the Bubble Hour. If you love the encouragement and support you find here on this podcast, then this new book is for you. Visit thebubblehour.com for more information or check the show notes for a link to purchase. You'll find Take Good Care on Amazon Worldwide. Take Good Care, recovery reading inspired by the Bubble Hour, the perfect gift for yourself and friends. Help others find the message of recovery we champion on the Bubble Hour. Plus, get access to the entire backlist ad-free by joining us on Patreon. Patron support helps with the ongoing expense of making free versions of the show available, as well as the cost to make new content like our spin-off podcast, Tiny Bubbles. 
Bubble Hour patron today at patreon.com slash the bubble hour and help us help others through stories of strength and hope. I found that people really love talking about themselves a lot. So okay. if you if they're if someone's just asking you a question that you absolutely it's just pushing one of your buttons and you don't want to answer the question. I've found that if you redirect and ask them a question, it can just be a random question. Just something crazy. I don't know, like, uh, do you know Peter Brown? That would work. And <laughs> then that would totally throw whoever asked the question off. Yeah. <laughs> whoever asked the question off. And it would get the main audience off of you. I don't know if that's something that you've been able to do in the past, but I found that it's pretty effective. I do it a lot. Lists of one-liners that I'm going to use, not zingers, not inflammatory, but just something. And humor is a good way to do it. Oh yeah. Things that I'm going to say to disengage. I'm not going to let them engage me because that will trigger me. And I yes, because that's that's the problem. They know how to push my buttons, and they love to do it. And I think that's so great. The whole not. And being invited to every fight, you don't have to fight. I, I love that, and I will have to come up with some one-liners to just come up with some really funny and questions, and and then record them yeah. and send them to me, <laughs> and then tell them how it all worked out. <laughs> yes, <laughs> or even you know what, Angel? Uh, just on a positive note, I, it, it could turn out better than you ever expected, and you won't know until you try. You know, it, it could wind up being a turning point for you, where you realize that that's their behavior; it has nothing to do with you. And you're in the right place, and you've worked really hard to get where you are. And Kelly said earlier, if the day goes bad or you start feeling badly about something, just remind yourself of how far you've come. And even if you're just having a party inside your own head about how awesome you are, that's okay. And that by getting through this experience with them sober, you are growing and stretching in ways that you never have to go back again. You never, you're going over a line that you never have to slide back behind if you don't drink. You know? Hey, everybody. Yep. I'm sorry. I just had a couple, I had a couple of thoughts that has been passed on to me. And like some of these one-liners, something that I love to say is, and I think Molly told, taught me this when she said when, it, when you get into something and it starts to get prickly, that it's okay to say, you could be right, and just leave it at mm-hmm. that and walk away. I love that. And that way I'll that person that. Really, may be right. They really think that maybe you've just surrendered to the fight, and you can move on. And the other thing is, I'm sorry you feel that way. And just leave it at that. And if people press you too much, it's always okay. If they're asking you inappropriate questions or crossing boundaries, it's really okay to say, yeah, turn it around on them. They, sometimes people don't realize how much they're pushing or how much they're, they're stopping that believe me. I've got it's healthy. As my family is, my extended family, I can occasionally be asked a question. said this in front of my entire family, totally embarrassed me, and, and this is when I was sober, and embarrassed my daughter. She was furious, and and I, what I did at that point was I did that whole thing where I thought, I thought a few choice words first, but then I said, this is a sick man, right? 
how can I be of service to him? I, and <clears throat> let me pray for him. He has no idea what he's doing. He has no idea how sick he is and how he has to drag me down to make himself feel better about his own drinking. And so I had to let that go. And I really wanted, my general nature would have been to jump across the table and kick his, you know, his behind. But, but I, do, I don't do that anymore. I don't do those kinds of things anymore. And that's the way that I look at things today is when people start doing that and pushing my buttons, I have to remember, I don't do those things anymore. And be the example of recovery. You may be the only example of recovery that these people ever see. And it's really okay to smile, say, I'm sorry you feel that way, and walk away. Taking care of I yourself. That line, Lisa. And, and even one. if Angel is dealing with people who actually are sober, but what I would, and Angel, I'm not calling your family dry drunks, but people that I would consider not necessarily growing, even though they're not drinking, that what Lisa H. was just talking about reminds me of that other line of what other people think of me is none of my business. You're never going to change their mind. No. Because they're not trying to grow and learn like you are. So saying, I'm sorry you feel that way, is just the greatest way of disengaging. It's just totally disarming, whatever it is that they yeah, Or my trying. favorite, you may be right. You may be right. Really? You may be you right. May be right. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. And then in my head, I'm, I'm saying that you're wrong, but I don't say that out loud. <laughs> you don't have to go to that fight. You just don't. You just don't. Exactly. You may be right, oh, wink, wink. Thank you. Wink, wink, yeah. And then I'm going to go on, I'm going to go call my friend and be like, you're not going to believe what they just said. You may be right, jackass. <laughs> well, Angel, we're getting a little bit low on time, and we still have another oh, caller. So I just want to say thank you so much for being, yeah, it was an awesome question, and thank you so much for being part of this show. It's, thank it's, you, Angel. Thank you're the best. Thank, thank you, Angel. You're awesome. And I'm going to put you on hold so you can keep listening if you want to. Okay, great. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks Angel. Angel. Good night. And our last caller, please work, is Amanda. Are you there? Hi. Yes, I'm here. Yeah. Oh, you held a long time, Amanda. Thanks it worked. For Thank you, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, thanks. I've been, just been listening to the show, and I just wanted to call and kind of just to share a story of something that Dwart, I went through in early sobriety. Just um, hearing everyone, it just brings up so many memories for me. And, um, and, so, and so much of what I've heard in meetings again and again about what to do during the holidays. And my, I actually, my first Thanksgiving, I was only a few months sober. And I actually, I didn't have a license, and I had actually just been away for some court stuff for two weeks. And I got home the Saturday before Thanksgiving, and my boyfriend, who we were supposed to go on a big date that night, broke up with me. And and I was just devastated, absolutely devastated. And so here it is right before Thanksgiving, and I was a mess. And I was already nervous about Thanksgiving. (laughs) I really had to think long and hard about what to do. And my family drinks a lot, and they all knew I was sober. And my my stepfather is sober as well, and they just, I was open about it. But I told them that I didn't want to go, and it was my aunt's 90th birthday party, so they pressed me, and they kept pressing me to go, and... They were even pressing my father and saying, can you just get her to go? I know part of it was because they loved me and they wanted to see that I was okay. But the other part of me knew that they drank a lot, a, a real lot, constantly, the minute we walked in the door. And I don't even think they're alcoholics. They just, they just drink a lot on the holidays. And 
I think part of it was because I didn't have a license and I would be relying on my father or someone to get me there, and it was two hours away. I chose to stay home, and it was a hard thing to do, but with the way I looked at it was, well, one, I couldn't escape. I didn't, so that plan, I got that advice in meetings, have a way out, make sure you bring your own car. It was two hours away, so I couldn't bring a sober friend, although my father was is sober and he was going to be there with me. I didn't want to ruin his holiday. And, but I was also just emotionally not prepared. I didn't feel that I, I was actually really, up until that point, I was ecstatic to be sober and I, everything was going great, but I just didn't feel like I could handle it. And so I, I held my ground and I decided not to go. And I, I came up with an alternative plan and I, I went to a meeting that morning and other people in recovery and I was on the phone with different people throughout the day and I had my friend who was sober come over that evening and we went to another meeting and she spent the night with me because I also didn't feel that I should be alone. But it's just something, to me, I looked at it that it was one Thanksgiving in my life and it was, you know, in that I could go to the next holiday, and I did. I actually I went to Christmas, and I had a great time. And But by, by the time Christmas rolled around, I was back in an emotional state where I could say, you may be right if someone made me upset, but on, at Thanksgiving, I didn't feel I could handle anything. And it was, it's just something I've heard people a month sober, and, oh, I have to go to this huge family wedding, and they have an open bar. And I, I always sit there and I just say, no, you don't have to go. And I know it's hard to see events at your house. And I don't know what I would do if it was I had Christmas every year and I didn't feel comfortable. But I also know last year, my, both of my Christmases got canceled because people in my family got sick. So I don't know if you could always, that's another thing too. Is I don't know if I would want to do this or if I would have the courage to do it, but you can also get sick last minute if it's, you're really not feeling that you can handle it. I don't know. There's That's always a way out. Can there I ask a, way a out. quick follow-up question on, the, on this, Amanda? What was the response from your family? Um, if you don't they, mind answering that. They did push a little bit and then they, they let it, they finally let it go. I was actually really surprised that they, that they kept asking me to go because I, and I was pretty adamant, and they were, and I guess maybe because they knew I was sad, and I know it was all out of love, and uh, but they were fine with it, and then they've been fine ever since. They didn't hold any resentment against me, and I guess the way that I look at it is if someone really loves me, they're going to respect my decisions, yeah. and I don't always have to explain them right away, and I guess that's, that's easy for me to say because I've been open with it with my sobriety ever since I got sober. Pretty much because it was in the papers, and there was no hiding from it. So um, <laughs> That'll work. You're going to go. No. Go big. <laughs> yeah. but, but it was also something I learned early on, and I guess because my best friend and my father were in recovery, I had a lot of courage about saying, this is what I am, and I also did that to protect myself. And it's because I work in a place where there's tons of drinking all the time. I actually have my Christmas party this Wednesday at work in my office. In the first two years, I didn't go. Actually, I should say the first year I didn't go. The second year, I went for a half hour, showed my face and left. And this year, I actually, this year I can drive, so I'll go maybe for a little bit longer, and then I'll, I'll leave whenever I want to. 
and my work also. There's a lot of people there who know I'm sober, and there's actually a lot of people who don't as well. So that I, I actually do get pressured at work, and even some of the people who know I'm sober will say, was it forever? <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. I'm sure you're okay now, right? Yeah, yeah. You're good. You can, you can, you can, can do this now, now, right? You're, you're the life of the party. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't really work like that. But, but nice you know, try. Yeah, nice try, but I'm all set. And, yeah, it wouldn't be know. nice. But, yeah, yeah. but then I just proceed to show them that I'm just as much fun without the alcohol, and they shut up. <laughs> You're even more fun without the alcohol. This is Ellie. I have known Amanda a long time. We've known each other since we were both 10, and I won't even say how many decades that is now. And she is more fun sober. She really is. So it's, uh, it, you dance better, too. I bet you thought you danced really well when you were drunk, but you danced better. No, we all. They used to fall on the ground. Yeah. I missed you that. That was part of my move. Yeah, that was, that was a move. <laughs> I just I strongly feel that it's okay to say no. And uh, I agree. It's okay to say yeah. no. Yeah. I, and I just, because to me, protect, protecting my sobriety comes first. And there's this guy, I love him, Juice. You know, he goes to a lot of the meetings that I go to. And he always says, recovery is a domino. It's the first domino in those, those long chains. And if you don't keep that domino staying up, everything else falls down behind it. And uh, I just always think of that. It's just such a simple visual thing, but it's so true. I had one last, we're getting low on time, so I'm just going to have one little anecdote that you're, that you, what you just said reminded me of, Amanda. And one of the things that is, was part of my drinking is really pretty chronic people pleasing and saying no is extremely difficult for me. And so it was actually part of my recovery to be able to learn to say no, to agree to disagree, to be okay that some people might be mad at me for a little while. Like that, I I drank to people, please. So practicing no was actually a huge part of staying away from drink. I didn't know that really at first, but it, it became very important in the long run. So that made me think of it as you were speaking, but... We are down to just a few more seconds. So, Amanda, I'm, I'm going to have to put you on hold. Thank you, Amanda. Couple, couple right, well, thank cover, you. Thank you. That was a great and helpful great. story. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dad. Great show. Good job. Good job. Thank you. Good job, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, this is Ellie again. We have less than a minute left. I just want to make sure that we, as always, end the show to say that there are resources both online and offline. You hear us talk about the BFB, which is the Booze Free Brigade. If you go to the Bubble Hours website, which is www.thebubblehour.com, there's a tab there with resources to all of these things we're talking about, both online and offline. Or you can send us an email at thebubblehour at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you and answer your questions. Lisa, I don't know if you have anything to add to any of that. Just and get your bubble and keep it with you and do what you have to do to stay sober and sane. Absolutely. And it works. And Carol and Lisa, I can't thank you enough. Thanks for listening to the Bubble Hour. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye. I own it. I did that. Not proud, but that was me. And when I face it, I take back a little dignity. Not looking for excuses I just want to be free From the power Weakness had on me 
Just want to be free from power. We just head on. 